Hey folks, it's us, podcasting wonderkins John Bishop and Lucas Southworth. Although this is a podcast about cars, it is not age-appropriate for the target demographic of these films, as we usually end up talking about the reproductive organs of Lightning McQueen. Alright, now let's take a look under the hood. Welcome to the Gachat, the only podcast brave enough to ask the question, Hey, what's up with cars? I'm John Bishop. <laughs> and I'm Lucas Southworth. Hey, yeah, what's up with cars? Yeah, that's a good question, John. Uh, one I would say we venture to answer every week as it is our show's, I don't know, catchphrase? Slogan? Slogan, probably? Purpose? Purpose? That's a good one. And, you know, this week we've been we've been thinking... And all the way back in, I don't know, I want to say episode, like, three, maybe? We had a big discussion in the middle of that episode on a movie. And it was Wally. I'm going to beat it around the bush. We basically did half of an origin story on Wally in, like, one of our first five episodes. Uh, and we were like, yeah, we got the series now. Let's do a full one. <laughs> That's this episode. That's what this is. What we're doing is Origins Wally. You read the episode title. And it's also a callback to one of our earlier series in which we watch a movie and then talk about it. That's that's what Origins is. What are you talking about? I'm talking about our earlier series where it was every five episodes we would watch Cars 2 because one of us hadn't seen it. Then Cars 3 because one of us hadn't seen it. Yeah. And in this one, Lucas hadn't seen it. Yeah, I don't know how I missed this one, folks. It, as I'm sure we'll get into, it pushes a lot of buttons correctly for me in that there are lots of tropes I am very responsive to, and this one had pretty much all of them. So I really loved this movie, and okay. I'm sad I hadn't watched it before yesterday. Now... Since I was rewatching it, I'm going to go ahead and say something about what was different watching it the second time now that sure. I'm older. Uh, when I first watched it, I was well aware of the fact that it was like a, a, hey, we're destroying the earth kind of message. And it was all about how major corporations are controlling everything and that's dangerous. Yes. My second time is when I realized that actually it was about how uh, industry destroys art. Also, yeah. And that was a weird thing, because I never even thought about it when I was watching it the first time. Of Man, this movie is all about art. And, like, it's not even subtle about it. Yeah, it's... God. Yeah, I really like it. <laughs> yep. Because I'll just go ahead and talk about this, get it out of the way uh, before, so then we can talk about Cars. John, what's my favorite movie of all time? Uh, that is The Giant Made of Iron. Yeah, the robot who wants to be a real boy. And with that and any other movies with robots that just want to feel their feelings and like desire to be, desire humanity, desire to understand more, or even in like Wally's case, 
he already understood more you know he just was like a a cool little guy who likes things and he loves hello dolly which also i doubt you know this is my favorite like classic musical so it their use of hello dolly was also very effective on me especially because put on your sunday clothes is one of my favorite musical theater songs it just has such a genuine sense of adventure and optimism and hope and it worked well with the movie and also the robots fell in love with each other and i'm a sucker for that they're sort of similar they had a sort of lady and the tramp vibe going on which is my favorite disney movie uh <laughs> so yeah it was it was firing on all cylinders for me i mean i'm i'm a big old uh, on the left side of the po- political spectrum. <laughs> so I'm pretty anti-corporation, pro-environmentalism, uh, which I will say some of the, the messaging was a bit ham-fisted, but other than that, near perfect movie for me, like perfect storm of Lucas is going to tear up 30 times throughout this movie. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I don't know why... I feel this way, but I would have assumed that it was uh, either Singing in the Rain or Guys and Dolls. I like Guys and Dolls a lot. I've actually also never seen Singing in the Rain, which... Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Hello, Dolly. Just to talk about it for three seconds, then we'll talk about Cars, I promise. I don't know. It's a classic musical, but it's also not boring. Like, quite frankly, a lot of classic musicals are. The humor holds up for me decently well especially if it's like modernized a little bit, like the delivery is modernized a little bit. Mm. And again, all the songs are just so hopeful and like, we love life. And sometimes I just need something that's like, yeah, life is cool. And hello, Dolly is that for me. Okay. But anyway, I love the movie, but now we're going to probably make it worse in my mind by saying it's a part of the cars canon, which we've already done. We've already done it. Okay. Uh, Someone who I'm assuming, uh, by assuming, I mean almost guaranteed, doesn't listen to the show, uh, (laughs) suggested a theory that we should talk about. And that was the theory uh, that is proposed that Cars and Wally take place at the same time. Yeah. Have you experienced this theory? When you told me it, so and we decided to do the episode because we were like, oh yeah, we should do Wally at some point. Good call. Okay. So the theory is essentially that Cars does not take place on Earth, and in fact, they're just taking place at the same time. And uh, here's I'm I'm on a website called Dankinator, Incredible. and here is what they have listed as evidence of the theory. We already know that Cars is taking place in a time where humanity possesses advanced technology. So this theory isn't too far from the truth. Moreover, in the official Pixar website, Cars synopsis is, plus the Cars movies occur in, oh boy, uh, 2100 through 22002. Wait, do the Cars movies? That's like confirmed canon dates? According to this website, which is referencing another website. I... We would have seen that, but uh, maybe. Maybe that's true. <laughs> well, anyway, don't worry about that piece of it. Continue reading the theory. Well, here's the thing. The theory is just that they take place at the same time and on different planets. 
that's oh, pretty much all planets. the reasoning they give is that it's different planets and it's same time. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I was thinking like an unspoken reason that the humans left was because cars were taking over <laughs> their, their planet. Here's the here's the meat of it. Uh, moreover, it's not that cars are merely sentient, but the cars have humans inside them. It's like oh, their we... consciousness is merged into the computers of the cars. So that's just our theory, except instead of saying it's after the fact, it's during. Okay, okay, let's see. I could see that working out as like a potential way for the humans to survive the inhospitable like environment that had been created on Earth. They go into the cars, uh, which probably have like filtration and whatnot and are also cars to help them survive the toxic atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But like... I do think it might be important to send them to a different planet just because there's no trash piled all over Radiator Springs and the other environs. Okay. So, is that what happened to the people left over from by and large? I was gonna say either it was a secondary attempt to, like, re- like colonize another planet instead of just sending the ships out to wait. Mm-hmm. Either that, or I think it's implied... Uh, in the movies that the Axiom, which is the the big cruise ship spaceship where most of the movie takes place, is not the only one of those. Like there were multiple of these like Noah's Ark type ships sent out into space. So maybe it's just what happened to another one of those. And just a little bit of supporting uh, conjecture is that during the movie, they have a moment where they say people of the, and then there's a, little bit of a glitch type thing where it pauses and then says axiom as if axiom was just filled in yeah, yeah. so it seems like that might be what happened is like it's a, a fallout situation where there are a lot of different vaults and they just have something that reads off the specific name for that one yeah that little moment was actually my my evidence that there were multiple ships is that it seems clear from that uh message from the president that axiom was dubbed in and this was just a mass message sent out to multiple ships and like 700 years which is how long they're on the ship and wally is a long time Mm -hmm. (laughs) but not nearly long enough for what happens to those humans bodies yeah also their life expectancy is insanely high how so i didn't see that there were six captains over 700 years huh yeah that's yeah huh (laughs) i never thought about that but they have a picture of each of the captains and it's like a oh look the evolution or de-evolution of man because you see a very just cookie cutter human person right there and then slightly less slightly less and then there's just the completely cartoon version and it's like, oh, there are six of these people. Huh. That's messed up. Yeah, that's a very interesting detail that I don't know that I would have caught. Good catching that, Johnny. I will also say, since we're talking about their cartoonish and unrealistic evolution over 700 years, one other aspect of the movie I didn't love is their depiction of obese people. It seemed insensitive, to say the least. It wasn't, like, terrible. <laughs> I mean, because they they they're very clearly like sort of brainwashed by the robots and whatnot, and the corporation. 
but I don't know. I didn't love how they depicted that. I think the point isn't that they're just obese people. It's that they're people designed to not be able to escape. Yeah, and and like that that's sort of the redeeming quality of it to me is that the robots probably engineered humanity to be this way. Mm-hmm. But... And it's a weird thing where I don't even think they're obese. I think it's that they're altered in such a way that makes them as baby-like as possible because they're easy to distract. They're uh, easy to just kind of control, clean, pamper, and whatnot. But they also are extremely healthy in specific ways. All of them full heads of hair. All of them completely capable of speech. Uh, like all of their senses. Like I don't think I saw any with glasses or anything. They're yeah. all completely capable. It's just they're these strange... There's, it's a strange situation where these people aren't supposed to get out of their chair. And they're supposed to just accept their life as it is. And even when they get out of the chair, they're actually able to stand, which is strange because after just a few months in space, the bone loss is intense. So after 700 years, they shouldn't be able to do that. So I think it's that they're being altered in a way that makes them as healthy as possible while also being as easily controlled as possible. Yeah. And again, I agree that like that redeems it for me a lot, but like, it's not enough so I don't know. It, it just felt a little off to me. It's one of like a few black marks on this movie that again, I loved a lot watching it for the first time. And I just wanted to bring it up. It's a uh, tough line to toe. Yeah. Cause you want to make it a situation where it makes sense that these people aren't nearly as capable as they would be, but you don't know how to do that necessarily. Yeah. But anyway, what were we saying before I talked about that? Humans have super long lifespans. Oh, one of the, maybe one of the other ships uh, just found a habitable planet. Mm -hmm. And instead of like going back, they're like, well, I don't think we're going to go back. Let's just (laughs) settle here. And our original origins for Wally to cars, we'll have to modify it a little bit, but I think it fits fairly well of like, I imagine that across all the ships, this is happening, that they're becoming like dependent on these chairs and the chairs just transition into their car bodies. Okay. I think that my, my thought on it, I think that my thought is that I thought about thinking. Yeah. Uh, so uh, <laughs> the, the guy who is the representative by and large, when yeah. he has that realization that they're not going to ever be able to make it back to earth, Something specific that I noticed is that he's wearing a gas mask and he's wearing yes. a weird apparatus on his chest. I'm thinking that he wasn't on that ship. I'm thinking that was, he was on another ship or he was on Earth. Yeah. And I think that he was in a situation where he realized that the world's not going to be fixed, definitely not in time at least. So his only option was to escape and try something different. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to do what he knew would happen to him if he went on a ship like the Axiom. So instead, he is one of the first people who got into a completely self-sustaining suit of like roboticism that will allow him to try and live his life differently on a different world. I think he was one of the precursors to the car people. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, an excellent other way to look at it, especially because I think at the end of that like panicked message, 
he says something like, let's get out of this place or something. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he could be referring to just like, I don't know, the above ground or the White House or something. But he could be referring to Earth itself, you know? Mm-hmm. And there aren't any corpses visible. So maybe that was the case. Lots of Wally corpses visible, which made me a little sad. Were they corpses, though? Or maybe they were just never functional. Yeah, maybe they just never worked in the first place. Who can say? That makes uh, me feel better if they never worked. Because <laughs> uh, I'm thinking that might be why the whole, by and large, scheme never worked. Is because it was only one robot that ever started. And the rest just never activated. Yeah, I guess over 700 years, Wally could make those skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. He did one layer pretty much in a day. No, yeah, that's that's what I was going to come back to. He, I was going to say that seems a little, but no, I'm not going to say definitely, but it's maybe, yeah, maybe Wally made all those skyscrapers by himself. All right, and uh, I just want to talk about this too much to not talk about it right now. Sure. Let's talk about it. Wally is... Wally is Vision. Wally Vision, baby. That's your name on our little chat service. Okay, so like, there's the whole thing, but like, there's so many different robotic arguments and whatnot of, oh, is he a person? Is he a robot? But I think their whole message is that art is what makes the robots people. And that if you can art, you can be people. But Mm -hmm. there was this, the whole like, uh, spoiler alert, uh, a crux of one of the things that Vision's really concerned about is, is he Vision if he is the body, or is he Vision if he is just the, like, programming and memory? And uh, the argument heavily in this one is that it's the memory that makes you the person. Yeah. Because Wally, uh, spoiler alert for Wally, which has been out for a very long time. And is the subject of this episode, obviously. <laughs> Wally straight up dies. And gets revived. And I think the theory is that, oh, maybe he had a backup battery that had his memory preserved or whatnot. And it just took a while for it to come back online. But when he's revived, he's just a Wally robot. Mm -hmm. And he's just immediately trying to fix the trash and doesn't remember anything. And then something has to spark his memory. It was a spark. Uh, And he's all of a sudden back to being Wally again. And one of the things that is attempted is, oh, I'm going to remind you that you're Wally through all of these forms of art that you like, all Mm -hmm. of these things that you collect. And the spark brings back his memory, but what makes him, I guess, a person again is remembering his art because it was the spark that brings him back. But then he realizes he's holding hands, which the entire movie is the only thing he wants to do. God, I love the little robot. He just wants to hold hands. Oh, boy. And it's it's beautiful and pure and cute in a way that I really love because they do something that I can only assume is robot kissing. And that is yeah. the spark. And they also hug. And he really likes the hug. But even though he hugs and kisses in the film early, he still only wants to hold hands because that's a form of communication and a form of relationship that he just really wants the entire time. It's just a closeness. Yeah, because he sees it represented it represented in Hello Dolly and the song It Only Takes a Moment, which is like the big love song of Hello Dolly. And 
like, oh man, I don't know. That just, uh, I, I, I agree that it, that is about like how art can create humanity and these robots. But I would also say it's like almost like emotion, like the ability to feel makes the robots like sentient or more like people. Because one of my favorite recurring things throughout the whole movie is once Wally is on the Axiom, pretty much every time he sees another robot, he waves at them. And then the robots are like, I don't know what's going on. But then they try it. And then there's a specific one that he goes back by later who like very excitedly waves at him. Mm. And again, that's another moment I teared up. It's a com- it's a comedic moment, but like <laughs> in my very susceptible to robots finding humanity mine, I was like, oh my God, he's teaching them how to feel. And of course that got me pretty good. I mean, he also does that to people in this film. No, yeah, he fully like... The moment Wally interacts with two, well, three if you count the captain mm-hmm. of the humans, they're fully brought out of their like brainwashing, pretty much. Yep, John, Mary, and Captain. Yeah. Oh, he's a good little robot. Uh, <laughs> but how do we get down that path? He's basically the Vision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As you can imagine, I'm also a big fan of the Vision because of that. Uh, but yeah, there's this whole conversation of what makes you the person that you are. And one big thing is that Wally has his parts replaced presumably over the course of 700 years. Yeah. A lot. He loses his chains in the first like few minutes of you seeing him. He loses his like treads for his tank tires, which he treats as shoes, which we can talk about, but yeah, yeah, he treats them as shoes Oh boy, but yeah, he replaces his parts, and the thing that makes him him is his appreciation of the little things, and his curiosity, and his art, and the fact that he can say his own name. God, I love it when he does. Uh... (laughs) And also, we have justification for why we thought her name was Eva. It's because that's the only way Wally can say her name. Yeah. She can say her name correctly, but he can't. I think, like, she says it Eva every once in a while but usually says eve uh but god wally doesn't know how to say it and that's pretty cute i think it's just that he can only pronounce e and the separately yeah he doesn't have eve as a syllable he can pronounce and uh like maybe she said eva to begin with but she kept correcting him and saying eve eve and he goes eva eva that's the closest he can do eve and there was one point in which she just said eve yeah (laughs) she sure did but we've touched on okay in my mind there are two main routes from car from wally to cars or vice versa Mm -hmm. there's and we've touched on one and we'll probably touch on it some more but there's the humans adapt into the cars the -hmm. humans become the cars but most of the cast that you hang out with the whole movie are robots and I think it's just as likely that the robots evolve into the cars. Okay. So we've got people leave Earth and just immediately turn themselves into cars. We've got people come back to Earth and slowly become cars. And we've got people can't survive on Earth because they're no longer like designed for it. 
because in 700 years, your genetics should not change that much. You can say what you will about a selective breeding, but no, that's, that's insane. It's not good. <laughs> and you like even going with that, like, okay, maybe it's selective breeding. Every single person is basically the same. Yeah. Which is, if you know much about genetics is not good for the continuation of a species. Yeah. For them to be genetically similar. So the people just dying off is a very valid theory. And then the robots just become car people. Yeah. Boy. And I think a part of that where we can sort of have our cake and eat it too here is I mentioned that uh, the president, maybe he was just talking about being above ground. Maybe the robots evolve into the cars the humans, at least for a period, need to move underground while the atmosphere is reconfigured and become the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. And like, like we, we love to say, whenever we want humans to still be alive because it's too much of a bummer, or, it, or it's more, more of a bummer in a fun way, <laughs> we like to make them the manufacturer. And I think that's... That's a way it could work during the like during the seven hundred year gap. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to reconcile though that the world seems fine in cars and it being on Earth in the seven hundred year gap. You know, mm-hmm. I I have another thing that okay. uh, explains how cars could in fact do anything without hands, and my proposal is that every car secretly has hands they have eve hands and they just never use them on screen that's fair or they could have i think his name was gopher well actually eve had this capability too i think but like they can just make a little force field around a thing to pick it up and maybe in the future it's invisible because of course and there you go you got your car's telepathy john are you happy i'm really not okay (laughs) those Uh, cars the hands (laughs) No fun. But I think it's clear that the trajectory of the robots in Wally is like they are evolving into their own sentient race. Like Wally may be the first like really sentient one that he helps like spread his ways, whether it through it's through just like hanging out with Eve or just really bothering Mo, the cleaning robot, enough to go off his pre-programmed path. Also, fun fact, Mo is Liz's favorite robot. She likes how mad he gets about dirt. That's uh, good. That's good. He's a good lady. He's very funny. And I could see them, you know, like either intentionally or just through unintentional evolution becoming more and more sentient. And it seems like Wally sort of aspires to be if not a person then person like mm-hmm. or human like so i could see that being how they develop you know giant mouths <laughs> and tongues and hell maybe they even want to be biological we could and like try to integrate that into themselves i think the more likely route is that in this universe cars don't have a squishy bit if they're evolved from humans but if we want or evolved from robots but if we want them to have the squishy bit. I think their personhood aspirations could explain that. Okay. 
here's a theory about how the mouth forms. Okay. Wally. He opens up his front. That's his mouth. Yeah. It's why it's a giant mouth. Yeah. And if you want to get terrible about it, we always say the tongue is like almost definitely squishy bit. Yeah. What if they combine Wally technology with chair technology and they eat people? No, yeah, there is certainly a third route here. Third and fourth routes of like either the robots fully revolt and enslave the humans which doesn't seem like the vibe at the end of the family classic wally or they have some sort of fully symbiotic evolution and relationship so it's not the chairs or just the robots the robots integrate with the people and they become one big race somehow and to give good old film theory some extra credit it could be that they're not biologically human at all and instead they're the other biological creature that we see throughout the film yeah okay cockroach yeah because the cockroach several times just like goes in and out of the robotics of people yeah usually i'm not a big proponent of the cars or bugs i'll be completely honest with you john it doesn't make sense to me they could be battle beetleborgs. Sure. <laughs> you know I would be fine with that. But in this specific instance where one of... I'm not going to call him a main character, but one of the larger characters is a cockroach. Sure. <laughs> Why not? All right. And then we can go a little bit further. Let's just talk about the cockroach. I'd love to. What was Eve's job? Find, like... Her directive was to find evidence that Earth can support life again. What else is that cockroach except for evidence that life can be supported? Yeah, that was sort of my thing. That didn't... I get get that Eve was maybe just a little nervous about being on Earth and trigger happy. But if her thing was to find life on Earth and every time she heard any movement around her, she shot her very scary disintegration rays at it. Which for some reason only works really effectively on Earth. Yeah. And only works like a normal weapon in the Axiom. Because Wally shoots it off and it just hits like one little display thing that, oh, now we can leave the room and I freed all of these crazy robots that just want to paint and do art and makeup and I don't know, have... Different views on things because self-expression. And sneeze and uh, wait. uh... (laughs) Well, here's the thing. What he did was sneeze. But what is sneezing? It's expelling uh, gas and whatever else you have in your tank, which is the opposite of what a vacuum is supposed to do. No, no. I I get why he was a defective robot. He just approached vacuuming in a different way. Yeah, sure. Okay. But I think... Yeah, it seemed counterintuitive that if there was maybe a thing that was alive around her, she almost killed it each time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, she was probably just scared. Yep. <laughs> but... I think she was intentionally sent there because she was already a faulty robot. That's my theory. Okay. Because what is her job? It's to find evidence uh, of 
sustainability of life. And she is extremely trigger happy and will kill anything that's alive. <laughs> uh, if you want to say, okay, it said something about photosynthesis. Maybe she's only looking yes. for okay. plants because cockroaches, maybe they just don't count. But maybe she was just looking for plant life. Okay, why did it take her so long to find plant life? Because at the end, it's revealed that there was just slightly over the hill a bunch of plants. Yeah, that moment was a little confusing to me. I couldn't tell if it was like, hey, they're going to be fine. Plants are actually all over the place. Or if it was like almost a transition into the like credits of like, okay, let's see humans as they progress into their new role of rebuilding Earth. And The like, problem is it was just a zoom out. Yeah. It, it wasn't anything that would show that there was the passage of time. And if you remember, where did she check for signs of life? Trash piles. She went into the heart of the city and looked specifically in giant metal piles where there is probably not much dirt. Yeah, and I guess it could be argued that eventually she would have, you know, gotten out of the city. Or maybe it could be argued that, you know, Otto, the terrible shipwheel robot, intentionally sent her to a place he didn't think there'd be life. Or they exactly. didn't think there'd be life. Yeah. I'm thinking she is sent there because she is the one of the Eves because they didn't send out other Eves famously because they were all already still there in stasis. So he sent out Eve because Eve was bad at finding things. And uh, if you want to say, well, she found the plant, it, no. Wally gave her the plant. Yeah, Wally fully did. And also... How how are you going to pretend she's good at her job when she didn't know that on this planet there were massive dust storms that would easily kill her if she didn't find shelter? Yeah, she was I think... given a gun to kill anything that was alive, and no awareness that would prevent her own death. Yeah, I I, I think it's less Eve is bad at her job and more, which I think is the general point you're making, more like. She was ill prepared for her job intentionally. Uh, more, more evidence that she was intentionally sent because she was faulty is that she is one of the people who is able to form a relationship, which means she's likely like the other robots that immediately form a relationship, which are specifically the deviant robots. Mm -hmm. And also, if autopilot's going to dismiss her finding it, it like risk anything like that then I think Otto would want to be able to get rid of the evidence, which Otto did, and also be able to have her uh, repaired and dismissed as being faulty. So I think the intention was put out a robot you already know is faulty, so just in case anything does come back, I can hide it, throw it away, and have her sent for diagnostics in which it will come out, yes, she was faulty. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that fully. I don't know that that connects to cars but i think it's a good wally centric theory well the thing is how do you get sentient robots they start feeling stuff you give them the ability to make their own choices yeah and the only robots that seem able to make their own choices and the only beings capable of making their own choices are wally and creatures that come into contact with wally yeah and wally is clearly deviant and yeah. you may say, well, 
well, no, he's very good at his job. He's clearly a great robot. He's the only robot, the only one that survived for 700 years. I'm not saying deviant is a bad thing. He was clearly deviant in a very good way. Uh, yeah, I think there are some differences either in his initial programming or some thing that happened to him that changed his programming to prioritize survival, to to be able to creatively think of like, oh, well, I'll take the treads of this Wally who's no longer active. Oh, I will know to go in when the dust storms happen. Now, the word creative is specifically what it is. Yes. Yeah. I think the idea behind it is Wally was able to survive because Wally had something worth living for. Yeah. And that was finding beauty in things like, oh, here's this movie. Here are these trinkets. And it was essentially creativity and art are what kept him alive and what are going to help humans stay alive. And by stay alive, I mean not survive, but live. Yeah, and that's that's a line in the movie. Mm-hmm. I imagine that was intentional. Yep. Uh, I don't I, want to survive. I want to live. That's a good line. And I think that's super supported by the stylistic choice they make in the credits, mm-hmm. which was sort of, it was both a re- it was like a restart of human history. Like it was showing how the humans like rebuilt society, but it was told through the evolution of like human art Mm -hmm. in that, like it started in very ancient art styles and moved through like it. it, There was like some impressionism in here, some expressionism and all that as it went through. And I, I think, that that's a really good support for your theme of the importance of art. And, good for you. And uh, one thing that really gets me, the world was never meant to be saved. Yeah. Maybe the other robots never turned on, and Wally was the only one that ever turned on, and maybe that was an accident. Maybe a cockroach walked across, pressed the right button, and turned on specifically just Wally. But clearly the Earth was never meant to be saved, and I say this because... They didn't make much progress at all, obviously. But also, think about the design of Wally, and think about the design of Eve. You may say, oh, well, Eve's got a more futuristic design because she was designed later. Nope. They were designed by the same company at the same time before the ship left. Why is she so much more advanced than the robots designed to save the Earth? Yeah, especially when they go into, like, the ship's trash hold. And you basically see like a more effective Wally down there. It's a giant Wally, which yeah. would be very effective at cleaning up the earth. The giant piles of trash on the earth. Like, I could see Wally being very effective for like precision jobs of like, oh, you need to like, there's trash in the buildings. Go get the trash out of the buildings. But it seems like if we're going off the skyscrapers worth of trash like those i think they were wall r's if i remember right Hmm. those would have been like way better at that (laughs) they could have done that i don't know in like an hour the entire tower in an hour think i'm wrong they did that in like two of them did maybe a fifth of the those giant towers in five minutes yeah 
at the very least much more quickly and effectively at the Mm -hmm. very least so yeah i could see like by and large clearly does not have humanity's best interest at heart seeing as like i don't know there's still signs for them everywhere there's still signs for like buying stuff everywhere (laughs) and you may say well the wallies are all built to survive in this really harsh environment there were still holographic projectors up after 700 years they survived the environment for 700 years and all they were were glorified flashlights yeah wallies were built to fail i could see it being less malicious and more just like either incompetence or like they're just not taking it seriously Mm-hmm. of like clearly they never were taking it seriously or at some point they would have stopped sending those dang satellites into space <laughs> there's just too many of them quite frankly yeah which really leans me into the okay so there are some things about this movie that are absolutely just bad depictions of things like this and that's one of them and so are the wallars why do you not like the satellites just cuz because we currently we currently have a situation where in like 50 years we're not going to have one like thousandth that many satellites and it's going to become impossible to have more satellites because of space debris if one little thing breaks off and it's still in the orbit that allows it to spin around the world and be mm-hmm. a satellite it will eventually start tearing up other satellites, causing more and more debris, which will propagate, which will exponentially increase the amount of destruction. Essentially, you would not see satellites in that situation. What you would see is billions of pieces of shrapnel just spinning at insane speeds, tearing through anything and everything in that space. And it would be a lot less satellites than were there. We're talking gravity, baby. You seen that movie? It's mm-hmm. stressful, but a pretty good flick. I'd watch it again. It's pretty good. Yeah. And then there's also the Wallars. Tell me about why you don't like the Wallars, John. So the whole point of that ship is sustainability. Mm. It's sustaining the human race. And the way to do that is to reduce, reuse, and recycle. But for that ship to have anything resembling survivability... It would need to recycle essentially 100% of everything. Yeah. And you could say maybe they're finding things in space that they're able to use as base components. Sure. But if you look at the movie, you have to see how much trash they're getting rid of every few minutes. Not only is that not sustainable, it's not possible for that ship that size to produce that much trash. It would be gutting itself within days. Yeah, and like it was to show rampant consumerism. I get and it. that the problem is still there. But yeah. here's the thing: if the problem were still there, that ship wouldn't serve a purpose. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. That like the logic there is a little iffy, and I'll I sort of agree with them to show that the problem is still there. But I get that the internal logic doesn't add up all that well. I mean, the consumerism is the problem. It's that by and large controls everyone and just makes everyone placid and not want to do anything. And they're all just sitting there. And a good line is, I didn't know we had a pool. It's because they don't want them to exercise because they don't want them to get out of the chairs. And like another thing, I didn't know we had a a track or we have a running track. And it's 
the whole thing is they don't want these people to be active. And that can show that the consumerism is still a massive problem. They don't need to show that, oh, we're still producing far more trash than would make any amount of sense for this population. And it's also showing that somehow this 700-year voyage is still sustaining itself, which is a dangerous message to accidentally be sending. Because it's saying that you can do that and survive in yeah, some okay. way. You can't. The whole point should be that that is not possible. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying more about how that harms the message of the film. And I'm mm -hmm. more, I'm jiving with you a bit more. But, John, we got like four different ways, maybe five, I can't remember, that cars happen. And I think for the last little bit, and we'll get distracted, You, we both know it. Mm -hmm. For the last little bit, we should really focus in on, we should choose our favorite, basically. Uh, choose the one we think, and we can keep the other ones as possibilities, but choose the one we think is the most possible and really dial in what that would mean, how it would happen, etc. All right, so we're doing this in listicle form? Sure, I love it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to WatchMojo.com. Uh, we're listing our top 10 theories of how do humans slash robots become cars in the future. Starting at number one, we have... Go ahead. You, you go ahead. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so the first one, I think we should go back to the original first one from, again, I want to say episode three and four sound about right. I think it was our global warming episode, but who knows, in which we say humans got off the ship and needed the dependence of the chair and the chair evolved into the car around them, basically just through like advances in technology, increased need for it, etc. Mm -hmm. How do we feel about that one? Uh, that's probably my strongest right now. See, it's an amalgamation of a lot of the other parts of the theories. And it's one that goes along with, well, humans are still in some form or fashion alive, which I like. And uh, cyborgs, that's what they all are, which I like. For me, it seems so contradictory to the ending of the movie. And I know we can get into like like dark territory of like, ah, oh, it didn't work. They, or ah, oh, they fell back into their own ways. But like, I think that it makes sense for these humans who just basically learned that they don't have to be in the chair to not want to go back in the chair, you know? Mm-hmm. And th there is a certain, like, well, physically, they might need to, mm -hmm. that I think adds to this theory. But I think that they would work to not be in the chair. Think about it this way, though. They work, they change their ways, they fix the world, and everything's good. And a few hundred years down the line, everything's just this kind of utopian society. What do you do at that point? You've still got all these robots about. You've still got these old chair designs. So you start living this more relaxed life. And then you get into this situation where you're living sustainably. You're not destroying the world. And you can just relax. And you can become one with the robots. Okay. Maybe it's not that they failed. Maybe it's that say they succeeded. And they turn into the robot hybrids because they're at peace with themselves and the robots. Okay. So... Yours is a 
meld with the chair into the symbiotic robot relationship is the one you're sort of into. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll go ahead and say my favorite right now, which is that cars is an in-between period uh, of like, it's in between humanity coming back and the world being fully habitable again. So humans become the manufacturer robots become the cars is the one i like the most okay and maybe it's a situation where the manufacturer for the most part is just in other parts of the world you don't see yeah fixing it yeah like they've done a good job on america and italy and japan and england because that's what we see in cars 2 probably more than that not even necessarily that maybe it's just that the only places we see are the places they have fixed yeah, like those specific spots in America, England, mm-hmm. Japan, Italy. Like it's not Japan, it's Tokyo. It's not Italy, it's that... Porto Costo or whatever. Yep, Porto Costo. I'm sure that's the name of Porto Costco. <laughs> that's it. And I like what you just said of like the idea of, hey, the humans are still working to fix the world. Like, they just got stuff to do in, I don't know, Canada and Brazil and... Kentucky. Montana (laughs) and whatnot. And, yeah, that's the one that sort of jives with me the most right now. Okay. And then we've also got, there at the same time, this is the theory that I was brought to my attention from Dankinator. Thank you, Dankinator. And it's that uh, they take place at the same time and that one is just on a world where people became cars to live on that world. I like that one. I want to like that one a lot, is I think my thing. But It makes sense in a few ways. One, yeah. there's a huge population. They land all over the planet, and they've got so much Earth to explore that they need cars to get by. But also, it's kind of inconvenient to like be working on places to put your car and places to put yourself. So why not just have your chair be your car and then that becomes why not be the car yeah i think just there's a i mean there are obviously multiple issues with it but the big nail in the coffin for me is wally clearly takes place on earth and also cars clearly takes place on earth like unless they find like i think in the comics sometimes there's an earth on the exact opposite uh, orbit of the sun of us that's exactly the same like dark earth or something mm-hmm. <laughs> unless they find some exact copy of earth that like we see maps and stuff and like we see oh italy's still shaped like a boot and like there's some stuff in cars that's different like there's an island in the caribbean shaped like a car that i wanted to do an episode on but john wouldn't let me get in the comments tell him to do it so, like, it's not exactly the same, but it's close enough that it's clearly the same planet, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe even alternate dimension. Yeah. They just go to a dimension where humans never existed. <laughs> yeah. There are ways to make it work, but they're enough of a stretch that the rest of them feel better to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, what else do we have? We didn't talk about a robo-revolution just because I love the robots so much, I think. (laughs) That's why we skipped it. 
Is the is it just the theory that the humans fail to survive? Whether it be the robots take over or the humans just can't survive on a world with gravity since they only had microgravity? Yeah. Ba- basically, we've done the cars are humans, the cars are robots, but the humans are somewhere. And this one is cars are robots, humans are dead. All right. And then, well, that we don't have much to say about that. Humans just died and then the robots kept fixing the earth and decided, let's be cars. Yeah. And let's watch Hello, Dolly and become people. <laughs> yeah. Then and they like, found like older movies and then younger movies. And then they like decided to base their entire culture on where they thought the movie was, which is why some places look like they're from the 50s and some places look like they're from the future. Yeah, this one makes a certain sense to me, but it, it's sort of the issue we ha- we run into a lot in origin stories where it's almost just too easy. <laughs> yeah. Of like, oh, humans are dead as so robots. That's... It does make sense, but like there isn't also like a mistreatment of the robots by the humans, like especially post Wally changing everyone's lives immediately. Yeah, like the robots were obviously subservient, but it wasn't a subservience that was like, oh, I demand you do this. It was, hey, you're doing this, right? Oh, cool, cool, cool. And the humans and the robots, they lived in this weird harmony where everyone just did what was expected, which for the humans was relaxing and not doing anything out of the ordinary, like exercising. And the robots just did their jobs because they wanted to. Yeah, like even Otto, who does like mutiny, like he goes against the captain's orders, is doing it because he was ordered by like a human to do that. And he in no way wants to hurt his person, which you'd think, okay, but what about that time he pulled out a taser and was going to tase the guy? If he wanted to tase the guy, I'm pretty sure he would have been able to tase the guy. I think he was trying to scare him. Yeah, and like, even if he was trying to tase him, if Otto wanted to kill that guy, Otto would have killed the guy. Like, He's autopilot. He, can... he could have turned off the air. Yeah, he he controlled every aspect of the ship. He could have done whatever. When he defeated him the first time, what did he do? He stuck him in his very plush, comfy room. <laughs> yeah. So a robo-revolution just doesn't make sense to me. And the humans dying is boring to me. And I like how the humans in no way were aggressive at all. Like, Wally ripped one of their headsets uh, like away from their face and the person woke up is like uh what oh hey oh yeah you want me to move sure yeah and like... the other guy was just like oh you're not gonna take my cup because that's not what you're for okay wait your name's wally cool my, my name's john yeah. and that was it yeah like there is besides Otto and robots taking orders from Otto, there is no animosity between people and the robots the only thing I could uh, interpret as that is the uh, the robots had animosity towards the other robots, and there was ro- one robot who clearly would have killed a person if he had tried to do his job without being fixed, and that was the, I think, massage robot that just kept wailing away at everything extremely fast. Yeah, but yeah, he just was doing it because, I don't know, he was broken. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't trying to hurt anybody. He was just drumming. <laughs> yeah. So to me, that leaves the two our, our two favorites that we already mentioned. We've also got the uh, robots, bugs, and humans somehow all become the same thing. Yeah, but we sort of just said that one, and then we're like, 
And then I think both privately were like, how did the bugs get integrated into the system? And neither of us thought of a good thing. And we're like, it happens. We're going to talk about a different one now. So I think we have our fav- two favorites. And I don't know. We don't need to debate them. I think they could just be our two favorites. And we've talked about them. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had a wiki quote. And I just remembered that in the 11th hour. So I'm going to do it now. All right. Do your wiki quote of the, of, of the, right of, the of the day. Of the I day. Got, yeah, I got to finish it with of the day or of the week. I don't think I have an official one or the other because I always never know. Anyway. You always never know. I always never know. We are going over to worldofcarsdriving.fandom.com slash wiki slash Wally. Okay. But this one, John, is spelled W-A-L-L-Y. Oh, no. And uh, it's Wally Hauler is a Walmart hauler. He's... <laughs> Only been shown on on a diecast packaging. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, basically he's just a Walmart semi truck. Is he a promotional item? Is that it? Almost oh, certainly. But a, I thought it was funny and bad ironic that the character named Wally in the Cars universe is a representation of Walmart, and which is by and large, you know, consumerism, corporations, etc. Mm -hmm. Uh, but b i do want to read his bio because you know i love bios Mm -hmm. and it is wally has been around the country and back a few times as a walmart hauler he makes several trips to walmart stores all across route 66 back when he first started sam walton was so impressed by wally's attitude that he made him the official route 66 walmart delivery truck because of that honor, Wally has seen many great sights along the storied highway, and he wouldn't have it any other way. And I don't know. Basically, the only point I had to make about that is Sam Walton is a nexus, apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the founder of Walmart. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that, that was literally it. Okay. Well, all I've got to say about that is fun fact of the day. I'm pretty <laughs> sure the original name for Sarge was going to be Willie. Okay. He's based on like a Willy something Jeep. Mm. And uh, his original design or artwork had Willy just right there. Oh. On his, like right below his eyes. It's pretty good evidence. All right. Well, I feel like we're wrapping this up. So I think it's about time to to rate it, John. All right. Let's rate the movie and then rate the theory. Okay. The movie... I would give like a 9.5. Like I said, there were some things I didn't mention that also it had a little bit of that like technology will be the death of us all kind of feeling to it of like, oh, these kids and their phones. And it, again, it was it was like the same as my problem with the message being a bit ham-fisted and the depiction of obese people. Wasn't a huge thing, but it was enough to detract a little bit. But other than that, near perfect movie for me. Okay. I'm going to give it a seven because it's a, a very good movie. But like, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's at this point in history, like particularly exceptional. One thing I didn't mention is I also loved the minimal dialogue of the first half of it and don't know how they would have told the whole story that way, but God, it would have been cool if they had stuck with it the whole movie. Mm. But yeah, I think that's fair enough. I think 
I know that like it just resonated with me specifically in very personal ways that mm-hmm. I know that it's not a 9.5 for everyone, but so it's still a very good movie. Yeah. Now theory, how fun was it to theorize and how likely is the theory? Yeah. How much fun we had theorizing and then likelihood. I like to, to caveat. It's not that the creators will make what we said canon because that would always be a zero, but just basically how good of a job we did of like connecting it with actual evidence in ways that flows for both movies. John, start with fun. All right, fun. I'm going to go with a seven because it was uh, pretty fun. I had a good time watching the movie and I had a decent time talking about it. And uh, my only like complaints are that uh, some of the theories that you get from it are pretty obvious, and we've already talked about it before. And also, I don't know, some some of the parts of this movie are really great, and some of them like really bother me because it's like, hey, we're gonna have this huge important message, and they miss important bits. Yeah, I, I think your critique earlier of it uh, and that little bit was actually something that I probably wouldn't have thought of, and very very well reasoned i'll give it a six out of ten for fun theoriness i guess is how i'm going to say those words all right with the caveat that i think it would be higher if this was fully new to us it would probably be a seven or an eight okay then likelihood i'll go ahead the fact that it's a pixar movie bumps it up some amount i feel like i'll give it like like an eight out of ten for me well Here's the problem with me. Okay. Is that we've proposed five different options. And I think that just having several options makes the likelihood greater. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to say like a eight or nine. Yep. Just because like we gave them so many options and we've already talked so much about how likely it is or could be that this is what happened to make this a reality. Mm-hmm. Like it, it fit in well with already established things we had talked about, like humans going underground and then cars, or humans needing to don the cars as protection against the environment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So certainly didn't beat <laughs> maximum overdrive for us, which was both a 10 out of 10 for both of us, because Mater was in it, if you remember. Mater was in fact in it. <laughs> We also gave Rubber a 10 out of 10, both of us, on Likelihood, if you just want to review. But pretty likely one. Up there, it's in third place for both of us in Likelihood of, of uh, Theory. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that is going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. And we want you to send us ideas. We had a lot of fun doing this one just because it was, uh, was kind of nice to go back to like something we talked about. 83-ish episodes ago and if there's hell if there's anything like we mentioned but never went into in an early episode you've always been curious about send us that if you've got ideas for any of our specific uh, miniseries send us those or if you just want to say hi we love to hear from you you can do so uh, at our email which is thekachat at gmail.com or on twitter which is at thekachat all of one word for both of those don't put a hyphen in there don't do it John, do your part of the outro now. Don't put a hyphen in there. God. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, 
Remember to like, comment, subscribe, tell anyone and everyone you think might be the least bit interested in listening to this very, very strange podcast. And until next time, remember to float like a Cadillac. And sting like a beaver. Do both. Time.